Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC, the Chautauqua Institution, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Hello and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland, where we are devoted to conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. I'm Dan Malthrop, chief executive here and a proud member. Today's August 14th. You're with a virtual City Club forum live from the studios of 90.3 WCPN IdeaStream. They are our public media partner, and we're deeply grateful for their assistance and support. Earlier this week, former Vice President Joe Biden announced that Senator Kamala Harris of California will be his vice presidential running mate, making her the first woman of color to be nominated for national office by a major political party and only the fourth woman in U.S. history to be chosen for a presidential ticket. All of those, of course, contingent on what happens at the Democratic National Convention later this summer. The history of women in politics is long and complicated in America. It was 100 years ago this year, on August 19th to be exact, that the United States ratified the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote, though because of ballot access restrictions in place for many years following many women of color were not able to exercise the right to vote in the same way as their white counterparts. In the last hundred years, though, our nation has made great strides, but when it comes to equal representation for women in government, there's still a long way to go. The documentary film Represent follows three first-time female candidates as they run for office and work to improve their communities through public service. The film had its world premiere at the 44th Cleveland International Film Festival, which was a streaming event this year due to COVID, and Represent is now being screened in select cities, including Cleveland, to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment. Today we'll talk with Hilary Batchelder. She's the director, cinematographer, and editor of the documentary, and Ohioan Bryn Bird, whose journey running for office in Granville Township is chronicled in the film. As in every City Club forum, you can participate with your questions. Text them to 330-541-5794. Again, to text your questions, just text them to 330-541-5794. And if you're on Twitter, you can tweet them at the City Club, and we'll work them into the program. Hillary Batchelder and Bryn Bird, welcome to the program. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Hi, thank you. It is great to have you both with us. Hillary Batchelder, I want to start with you. Um, there are all sorts of reasons why a documentary like this uh, needed to be made, but why did you need to make this documentary? <laughs> so the, the film really started for me on election day 2016 when I stepped into sort of the voting booth and had just a moment of completely coincidental and superficial representation. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton was on the ballot and as a woman that was, you know, the significance had not escaped me before that moment. But on that day, for whatever reason, it just hit me that I was looking at my name on the ballot as a fellow, as a fellow Hillary. <laughs> and so that just, that was sort of, again, it was coincidental representation. It was, it was superficial, um, but it still felt important. And um, so as I left and kind of as we were all picking up the pieces following the election, um, I was really kind of tuned into this, this question of what does it take and what does it mean for women running for office um, in the country today? And how can we 
be achieving greater gender parity. Um, and I, I kind of had this persistent um, theme that I wanted to explore around representation in, in particular, because I think this film asks more, you know, beyond just being a woman, what does it mean to bring your, your full identity, your full self um, into a public space? Um, and so that's that's part of the kind of connective tissue of the three stories that we followed as well. Tell us about the three stories. And yeah. maybe, maybe end with Bryn as an introduction, as a more as a deeper mm. in, introduction to her. <laughs> um, so the three stories we followed um, a young woman who was 22 at the time who ran for mayor of Detroit. That was Maya Jones in 2017. Um, we followed a. Um, conservative Korean immigrant, Julie Cho, who was running for state representative in Illinois. And we followed, uh, we followed Bryn Bird, who is a progressive uh, produce farmer who ran for township trustee in Granville, Ohio. Progressive produce farmer, Bryn Bird. <laughs> Bryn Bird, why did you run for office? Um, so I think my story has always kind of gone back. I think I always knew I wanted to run for office. Um, when I announced I was running for office, um, one of my second grade classmates from Colorado actually reached out to me and he told me he remembers in second grade uh, when I stood up and I guess proclaimed uh, that I was going to be um, a politician one day. So uh, I think the arc has uh, been long for me on this. But uh, I, my grandfather was a township trustee um, in Ohio as well, and I did grow up in Colorado until middle school, and so I never lived in Ohio at the time that my grandfather was alive, uh, but I remember as a small child coming to visit him and going down into the middle of town, and he would prop me up, you know, on a stool, right, um, it was not a bar, it was like a coffee shop, uh, prop me up on this stool, and, you know, everybody would come in and talk to him and knew him and ask him for help with problems, um, simple problems from, you know, we have a problem with our driveway, there's a problem at the end of our road. Um, and I remember just thinking how amazing everybody knew who he was. Everybody came to him with questions and concerns. And when um, he passed away, uh, his funeral was huge. I mean, just, you know, the hundreds of people showing up and just saying how much that he impacted their life and how much he uh, played a role in their life. And so I always knew at that time um, how important local government was because you are helping people like with very um, tangible problems, um, with uh, relational problems with their neighbors. And, and that, you know, does, I think, impact people a little bit more um, than sometimes, you know, what's happening at the national level. It's, uh, you know, you don't feel that as fast and as quick. So I always um, knew that that is the role I kind of wanted to, to go into. And in 2016 um, and 2017, um, I didn't really run because of the results of the 2016 election. Um, I did know that, you know, there just was so much distrust in government at that point. And I have always believed um, that our divide can start to be healed, I think, at the local level and really focusing um, at the local level and rebuilding our trust in our government, um, reminding our peers and our friends and our neighbors that, you know, these, you know, politicians are people too, and that you can talk to them and you can have a relationship with them and kind of rebuilding that trust was important to me. Um, at that time too, my um, mom was, uh, she had had cancer for the previous five years, but her cancer, um, we had found out was terminal at that point. And um, I think for me, a big part of running at that in 2017 uh, was because I wanted her to see me run. 
Um, I wanted her to kind of see who I was becoming. Um, she was very mad that I was running. She was so worried that she'd hear people say mean things about me in the newspaper. Um, but I think she was also supportive. Uh, but I did, I think I ran at that exact time uh, because I wanted her to see me run. But I always knew that I wanted to run for a very local position um, and work on rebuilding that trust and just being in relationship with my community. It's painful and amazing at the same time. Painful and amazing. Um, and the some of the pain that you experience is specific to uh, being a woman in office. And I guess I just like spoiler alert, um, you won your election. Um, Bryn Bird now serves as a as a township trustee in Granville, Ohio, um, in the township of Granville, which is not the same mm -hmm. as the village of Granville. Um, uh, but Bryn, Bryn Bird, could you could you speak a little bit about the specific pains of being a woman uh, running for office and a woman in office in a role that in Granville Township has uh, traditionally not fallen to women? Yeah. Um, and when I ran, there was a woman in office, and I am pretty sure Melanie was the first woman. Hillary, did we, we, I think we confirmed that, that she was the first woman um, to have ever been a trustee, and she was elected right, bef um, you know, right before um, the term before I ran. And um, so there was a woman, and even when I started to say I was going to run, you know, immediately started hearing that it was more I was running against her uh, because there wouldn't be two women in office. And that definitely was... Um, well, language, you know, that was a common thing that we heard is that, you know, we have one, but we can't have two. Um, and I think for me, too, at my age and talking with Maya and Julie, the three of us have talked a lot about our experiences. And I think my experience as a woman also was uh, followed along the lines that I'm a mom of young children. Um, when I ran, I had a I think when I started, she was like three and 18 months because um, now they're like six and four. Um, and so this idea that I was carrying around, you know, uh, less, you know, an 18 month old, I think she might have been a little bit even younger than that when we really started. Um, and so this idea that I had these young children, um, played into, um, the, the narrative of me being a woman most often of how, um, how could I do it with young children? Is that fair to them? Um, and, you know, I have the stories, you know, that I've shared, um, in the documentary too of when people would kind of ask if I was able to be at meetings because who would put my children to bed. And that's one that just has not stopped. Um, anytime we have evening meetings or early morning meetings, um, that is just a question I'm continually asked. Well, who can put the kids to bed? Who will put the kids to bed? Um, and you know, I have a very supportive uh, husband and partner um, who puts the kids to bed. And um, I was even asked if I could, you know, when I was going on one of my first committees, they asked, uh, you know, is this okay for you to be on this committee because we'll put your kids to bed. Um, and so for me, I think a lot of it being a woman has been a mother of young children. Um, you know, I think Maya and Julie experienced it in a different way, too, of being uh, an inexperienced woman because Maya was young. And Julie, um, you know, she's um, a woman who's older and her kids are like, in activities and busy and stuff like that and so it's been interesting too to see how all of us had it play out differently um versus the phase of life we were in but always around this idea like if we were you know i think if i was if my husband was running nobody would ever ask who's gonna who's put your kids, kids to bed never right. that like and and honestly it bugs my husband and he brings that up all the time of um and just he hate you know that narrative that you know he takes the kids to lowe's and everybody stops to say how amazing he is a mom takes the kids to the grocery store and everybody 
you know, asks her to keep him quiet. So it's kind of like, there's definitely that double standard. And it, I think it frustrates him how much people tell him like how great he is, um, that he's taking care of our kids. <laughs> well, you're both great. Um, and, and the, the film really does demonstrate that, uh, the, the depth of commitment as a family, um, that you have to public service. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with uh, Bryn Burge. She's a trustee in Granville Township uh, in, in central Ohio. And Hilary Batchelder, the director and producer of a film called Represent, which um, is re- receiving its theatrical release, uh, such as it is, streaming at a ver- through a variety of movie theaters across the country. Uh, and that's happening today and this week in anticipation of the sort of 100th anniversary celebration of the ratification of the 19th Amendment. The film, as, as I said, is called Represent, and you should absolutely look it up if you didn't, if you missed it when it screened at the Cleveland International Film Festival in their streaming festival early in in like COVID 1.0, I guess is what we might refer to that those days as. Hillary Batchelder, talk a little bit about the similarities among these stories, these three women, Bryn, along with Julie Cho and um, and 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 Maya Jones. So on paper, there's such different women running such different races, um, which was a little intentional. You know, we were looking for, for instance, like we found uh, we have like an urban, a suburban and a rural story. They're running for different offices. They're at different, you know, ages of, of life. They have different sort of communities that they're connected into and, and finding support. Um, and they're running on both sides of, of the aisle as well. We have two Democrats and a, and a Republican. So there's on paper not much beyond sort of that, you know, they're all women, ties them together. But kind of hearkening back to what I was bringing up earlier, um, I think what really connects them, and this was something that I found the more that I actually got into shooting, it took a couple of years of being with them all to start tying it together and, and getting into the edit. Um, but they all are women who are, are really trying to do this kind of on their own terms. Um, and they, once they stepped up to run, they were sort of confronted with, okay, you, you can be a woman in this space, but it has to look like this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for Bryn, I would say that's like, yeah, okay, you're a woman, but your kids have to either not be here or they need to be really quiet in the back. And Bryn's like, I'm here, I'm showing up to this meeting and my kids might make some noise, but that's not going to stop us from doing our jobs. And so, you know, that's part of what what Bryn is taking on in, in her race and that we see in the film. For Maya as a as a black woman, as a young black woman in Detroit, um, she's sort of constantly having folks tell her how she should present herself and her story. And it's something we see her wrestling with over the course of the film from her campaign team to, you know, other members of the Democratic Party who she does kind of has to navigate some level of code switching around. Um, and then her own campaign team, we see kind of pushing her to tell her story in a way that connects to like the black experience in Detroit. And she's just throughout the course of the film, she's continuing to say, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to I, I'm going to bring my full self into this space and I'm going to I'm going to be Maya because that's that's why I'm running and other people need to see me as I am and not have to shrink myself to fit whatever this narrative of what's acceptable in a politician uh, is. And for Julie, I think she's really um, struggling as a conservative who's running in a very democratic, solidly democratic district in the Chicago suburbs. Um, She gets a lot of flack from her own party who are trying to convince her to drop out because they don't think her race is viable. 
Um, and as well as from, from the other side, from the Democrats. And Julie is really trying to hold the line and say, you know what, I identify as a Republican as, um, I identify with the core philosophy that Republican is about, being a Republican is about small government. That's her, that's her thing. And everyone else around her is trying to tell her what, what that should mean um, and ask her to sort of respond uh, and apologize for Trump. And she's like, well, I'm not Trump. I'm Julie Cho. I'm running as me, you know, and again, sort of refuses to compromise on her ideological values um, in the similar way that we see kind of Brandon Maya refusing to compromise on, on their identities and and families and everything else as well. So I think that that ended up being and again, it was something that took me the course of of filming with each of them to, to identify, oh, this is what ties them together. In 2020, it's almost impossible to talk about politics without in your brain going to Hamilton, if you've seen it. And as listening to you talk about that, I was thinking about how important the the theme that seems to that you're pointing to is about who gets to tell their own story and whose mm-hmm. narrative and narratives, the, the political narrative, Bryn, uh, your own narrative doesn't really fit in the Granville story necessarily, or the traditional understanding of the Granville story, or even the Democratic Party story necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. Hillary, in the same way that you were talking about Maya Jones, in the uh, there's a very poignant moment where her campaign team is trying to get her, as you said, to play up the, the poor black girl from Detroit story. And she's like, that's not my story. I'm not going to do that. And um, which is really interesting. It's a really interesting moment. Bryn, did you find it difficult to... Um, to tell your own story. Um, yes, um, especially at the beginning, I was getting advice to really kind of attack the old, you know, the quote unquote old boys club, um, and to really like go after that. That you know, the that they were trying to suppress the woman and to do some of that, and and especially around like a fire station issue, um, which Hillary could say that's so small town too, and. Um, for me to really push back. And at the beginning, some of my early supporters really wanted me to to go down that narrative of, you know, this old boys club and I'm fighting against the old boys club. And I never um, felt that that's why I was doing it or what I was coming at it. You know, like I said, I I did um, want a, um, I wanted a Granville that was represented from multiple generations that did have representation of younger families that are coming to the community looking 30, 40, 50 years out, um, how to protect our rural integrity and our rural heritage, but understanding, you know, where we're headed and how do we, you know, think about that and not be so defensive and how we become offensive. And so I think that was a lot of my story that I wanted to get out was this idea of, um, of, of representation generationally. And instead it was kind of like, they really wanted me to attack it more. The old boys club is trying to keep you women down. And it was really hard to do that because like we said, Melanie, was already a trustee. So there already was a woman trustee. And um, and so at early on, I got a lot of emails and people trying to take meetings and saying, this is how you should attack it. And again, like my, my role uh, position is a nonpartisan position. And that was important for me to stay nonpartisan, um, you know, as a trustee. And again, because I do think it's just a place where we can build this better community and build, um, build relationship and build trust amongst um, people of different parties. And I've continued to see that as a trustee, you know, we come together on a lot of things and it's great to not have to like 
vote against the other guy just because they're on the other side of the aisle. You know, we can come together. Did it surprise you how much unsolicited advice there was out mm -hmm. there for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of unsolicited advice. And um, I think it would be very hard to run even, you know, going into higher office um, because I already saw people who would speak on your behalf. And I know that even one, you know, position higher, you start to get state parties like sending out mailers for you. Um, you get packs that start to send things out for you. And I can't imagine having people speak for you more than I already had in such a small position in a, uh, a small election who were saying, you know, um, that I would agree with things and having to go back and say, well, I don't, I didn't say that. Huh. So. How, were there people who uh, told you not to run because you're a woman and it's not women's work? Um, I had a lot of people with the mo with being a mother of young children that this was not the time. Um, this was not, you know, I needed to, how would I have time to do it with young children? Um, and that as a mom, um, I had somebody who said, you know, like, I really do want to vote for you, but I'm just so worried how, you know, I know that being a trustee means you have to take meetings any time of the day and that, you know, it's a lot of like immediate um, help with certain things. And how will you do that with kids? And so a lot of that was around um, just young kids. And I was thinking too back, you know, Liz Brown, um, Senator Brown's uh, daughter, she's a Columbus City Councilwoman in, in, in Columbus. And there was a picture that came out right before I announced, right before I made the decision in my heart that I was going to run. And it was of her voting. And she has her oldest in like, I mean, her oldest couldn't have been a couple weeks old, you know, swaddled up. And she's carrying the oldest voting for herself um, in her first election. And I remember seeing that picture and how that representation uh, was so powerful to me of if she is doing this in Columbus on a, you know, and just with where she is, you know, with all eyes on her, um, I can do this too. And, and actually Liz graduated from Granville high school. I graduated from the high school one over, but she's a, you know, from Granville, um, as well. And so I think her representation of her and her daughter, her and her, I think son, uh, really helped me know that like, yes, people are going to tell me not to run because I have small children, but why do people say that? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I, I, I suppose it's just sort of, um, the it it I I would guess that it sort of is a symptom of the limitations of their own imagination I mm -hmm. I, I guess, um, but I'm noting that uh, you know this idea of, of voting and getting to cast a ballot for yourself seeing your own name on the ballot similar to the story that Hillary told at the beginning of seeing just her first name on the ballot which was somewhat inspiring but to see your whole name Bryn Bird on the ballot um, what did that feel like I know you went to you you brought your children to vote with you. I did, and I did not realize that my um, mic was still on when I went in the voting booth. And so Hillary and her amazing documentarian, um, and if you don't, you know, get to watch everything, watch the trailer for sure of the documentary um, because Hillary did a great job of um, even editing that part. And I, I did vote, and I took my daughter in with me, and um, you know, asked her to remember that moment that we were voting and what that meant. And I do think about it with my children when people kind of push back against me is I grew up and my, my parents went to vote together. They would always have a date. They would drop us off. They would go on their little date, go voting and go to breakfast. And I remember it was a big deal um, in our family. And, but my parents weren't really engaged politically after that. And um, I keep thinking, what will, where will my daughters be and where will they grow up to be um, knowing that like civil 
like knowing that not just like voting, but running for office, being on committees, being engaged. My husband, you know, he does work in the community and all of our um, civic engagement. And where will they be? You know, like this is just their norm. Their norm is that you see your mom's name on a ballot. Their norm is that you just stand up and vote or that you just go to protests or you go to rallies like for for them to grow up where that's just what's natural for them. I can't imagine like where they're going to go from here. I am so excited to see like where they will their engagement and their, how they will give back to the community will be. Hillary Batchelder telling that story is a way of normalizing the story and making people more familiar with the with just with the the mere facts of of that kind of thing is is was that the the motive? Yeah, I I, I it's funny to me that this is sort of needs to be done but like this is a film that says like politicians are people <laughs> um because too often all that all we're really presented with is you know a campaign commercial the brochure that gets you know stuffed into your into your door um we don't see the multifaceted kind of full side of of the people who often run for office um and so that was from the beginning that i knew that was part of why I wanted to tell this story. Um, and I, I think it's important too, when you're trying to encourage other women to run, which I hope that they watch the film and, and find inspiration there. Um, but to see sort of the imperfections <laughs> that come with running, you know, and that you don't have to, um, yeah, you don't have to be so shiny and so polished and there's a learning curve for everyone. We see it with each of these women in the film. Um, and that's okay. That's okay to be starting just from a, a place of like passion and interest and commitment to running and the rest you'll kind of figure out along the way. Hillary Batchelder is a filmmaker. The film is called Represent. It follows the stories of three women who are running for office for the first time. One of those women, Bryn Bird, is with us today. And Bryn is with us because we're in Ohio and Bryn represents the citizens of Granville Township as a Granville Township trustee a race that she won in 2017. Um, sorry to spoil that part, but the film is still on the way, the journey to the victory is still very much worth uh, worth following. Um, the others in the film include Julie Cho, who was running for state representative in a suburb of Chicago, in the Evanston area, I believe, and then uh, as well as Maya Jones running for mayor of Detroit. And uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating set of, of stories. Represent is uh, premiering theatrically this weekend, starting today, in honor of the ratification of the 19th Amendment, which happened 100 years ago next week. If you have questions for our guests today at the City Club Friday Forum, please text them to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. You can tweet them at the City Club, and we'll work them into the program. I'm curious, Bryn Bird and Hillary Batchelder, about the role of debates there's a big question. We've got presidential debates coming up, uh, the first one of which will be held in Cleveland, Ohio, at the Cleveland Clinic, co-presented with Case Western Reserve University. And um, the City Club itself has been host to a number of debates and candidate forums over the over the years. Um, Bryn Bird, how important were candidate forums and debates in your very local race? Um, so when I ran, we didn't really have a debate between the other candidates, but there has been since, um, in a lot of the township, uh, races and in the one last year, um, they did have a, they did have a forum and I do have to kind of laugh on a local level. Um, and especially in the Midwest, we are very polite people 
and we are very polite and we're very local. And so I feel like they have stayed very, um, very vanilla. Um, they're very nice and polite. And we had one recently and, you know, it was more like they'd ask the questions and then the person would give their answer. And then there was really no like back and forth. Um, and I do always kind of question on the, on the very local level, how well they go. I do think the forums are important. So people have a chance to meet people, but I've actually thought about in the future, even, you know, asking the chamber of commerce, if it can't be more of like a meet and greet, um, where we maybe do answer a few questions and then go into a meet and greet forum where we can kind of be more one-on-one because again, even voters, um, in this, in our small towns where we're, we have to live together now for the next, you know, hopefully 50, 60 years, um, and our kids all go to school together and we stand next to each other at the soccer field and we hang out at the coffee shop. So I think people don't ever want to be too offensive. Um, and there's been some great um, um, academic writing recently, I think, on like the politeness of Midwest politics and how sometimes it can be to our own detriment um, when we do um, have a harder time debating uh, publicly against each other. So if that is how it is, then how do we give, I think, a better option um, for people to maybe get those tough answers that they need um, where they feel comfortable. So I did not have a debate and I have thought for the next year when I run for re-election, um, kind of bringing up to the chamber, I'd love to get the hard questions, but is that in a debate setting or should it be more in a forum? Hillary Batchelder, having been a, a sort of a student of the campaigns, of these three campaigns, what did you think about the role of debates? So as, as Bryn mentioned, she did not have, did not take part in a, in a debate that year. Um, Julie Cho had one debate, I believe, with um, her opponent, or I guess it was it was a League of Women Voters forum um, that I thought was helpful. You know, there were a few questions from from the audience and they were able to talk through some issues. Um, I, I the one that Maya took part in that I was able to film um, and this actually didn't make it into the, the final edit of the documentary, but um, she did take part in a larger candidate forum, um, but was frustrated because actually the, the top two um, sort of contenders for the mayoral election decided not to show up. Um, and so it felt very much like uh, sort of a, a slight that they were they were above actually having to sit and, and field questions from the audience. Um, so, I, I mean, I that sort of speaks volumes to me that like, of the importance of those public settings. And I do think even um, in the local elections, it's a chance for for folks to interact and hear more about what the offices do as well. Because I think sometimes, um, and Bren, I'm sure has experienced this as well, but sometimes people don't quite know what the responsibilities of these local offices mm -hmm. are. And so you get a lot of questions like, oh, can you fix this? And you know, those folks have to be like, that's not my job, not my job. Um, but I think all of that is is sort of important in terms of just keeping a, an engaged and informed electorate. Let's turn now to questions from our audience. Again, if you have a question, please text it to 330-541-5794, or you can tweet it at the City Club, and we'll be asking them now uh, in the second half of our City Club Friday Forum. The film makes it clear that all three candidates featured needed meaningful support. What support was, or in the case of the candidates who didn't win, is needed most? What do they need? Campaign teams, money, endorsements, other things, all of the above? Hillary? All of the above. Yeah, all yeah. of the above. I mean, I, I think it's so critical to have um, a campaign team that's engaged, that's going to go to bat for you, that's going to help knock doors. There's just 
even in these really local races, there's just so much work to do and you need the team around you. Um, I think you need sort of friends and family level support too. the folks who are you can vent to when things are, you know, when you're being attacked publicly or when things just aren't going your way, like you need the people in your life with kind of any major endeavor that that are going to have your back. Um, absolutely. They need money. Um, fundraising is still a, a challenge a special challenge for women and women of color. They that's like. A, a pretty significant barrier that a lot of them face. Um, yeah, no, and, and I think party level support too is really critical. And that's something that we tried to show in the film. And we see it from, from both parties, actually, um, that, um, you know, the parties aren't necessarily great at building up those, those pipelines that are required, especially at the local level. Who are the great candidates? Who are the great community leaders who are out there doing that kind of work and maybe could make a pivot into public office. Um, so trying to identify those women at an earlier stage um, so that they can get more institutional training. And there are things that come with a with a party level endorsement. You know, they will send out mailers for you. They will help make calls and they might give you money. You know, all of those um, help people get over the finish line. Hillary, the mm -hmm. um, the story that you tell of Julie Cho's campaign is a very lonely story. Mm -hmm. um, was it really as it was just her and her <laughs> campaign manager that whole time? They did. They did have uh, a larger campaign team and I filmed some of those meetings and they just didn't kind of make it into the film for whatever reason. Um, it definitely was a bit of Julie and Bobby against the world. Um, and I thought I kind of loved their relationship as a as a duo. He was a, a younger black guy who had only um, really represented, I think, Democratic candidates until Julie showed up. But they found themselves aligned on this issue of, of gerrymandering and fair redistricting reform. Um, so they're kind of the unlikely pairing that takes on the world. And um, and Bobby really got a lot of flack from the Democratic Party and sort of talks about being blacklisted. His, his mom actually works in politics as well. And his mom was even getting blacklisted um, from other Democratic campaigns. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, as we see in the film, Julie is up against it from the Democrats and the Republicans as well. So I think, you know, there, there's some degree that there's selective editing and there's only certain scenes that you end up shooting. Um, but I think in spirit, it, it was really kind of the, the two of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bryn Bird, what was the um, your campaign? I mean, running for township trustee is small, is somewhat smaller than trying to run for mayor of Detroit. Say, mm -hmm. um, nevertheless, you you still need a little of all of the same things, right? What what did you have? What did you need? Yeah, I think um, Hillary really hit it. Um, for me, I think what was most important was my campaign friendships, my campaign circle. I had like a little you know, kitchen table board, kitchen table trust that, you know, was a group of volunteers that I could ask to do anything. And without them, um, I wouldn't have been able to to get to office. And what's really neat is um, three of the people who helped me every day, day in, day out are now, um, one is in office and one is currently running for office for state school board. And so that was a really cool takeaway is, you know, people who volunteered um, and have said, you know, it was kind of working with my campaign that made them think I could do that too. And so um, 
So that was that's been a really neat part of it is that Hillary got to know them and now they're all in office. Um, I also think from the party support, um, being a first time candidate, you know, there's a thing called Van and it has all of our voter, you know, number scores, our propensity for voting and and it cuts the, you know, it cuts the turf and shows you which house to go to and knock on based on are they going to vote or not. And I would never have been able to have access to that or known how to utilize that without my county party um, sitting down. And that there's a scene that Hillary does, I know, makes it into the final documentary um, where Aaron is meeting with us. It's when my kids like throw the food on the <laughs> ground. Um, and Aaron's meeting with us and showing us how to use that tool that comes through the party. And I, without that, I never uh, would have gotten to where we were because um, that is how you run as a sophisticated candidate. But that training came out of the county party or came out of the party. And so I think there is that level of support that like, you know, the the, the two party system is not perfect, but that is what how we kind of have to work um, to get some of that education. But how do we get it to all candidates, no matter how tiny their office or how new they are or how not likely they are to win? Um, and again, Hillary said, too, you know, I do think that we are giving money to um, women and we are um, we are starting to accept and I think, you know, promote women running for office. But women of color still are not getting the same level of candidate financial support. Um, they're just not able to fundraise the same way. Um, there's a lot, you know, around just like um, all candidates of color, but especially women of color. And so I think, you know, as we are giving our dollars, if we want representation, you know, looking to candidates that um, give that representation and, and continuing to support financially those campaigns. Um, I do think it's a call on everybody, you know, to think about who are you voting? Is it just people that look like you? Or are we making sure that we financially support all candidates too? This uh, brings to, is connected to a, another question from a listener who writes, I enjoyed the film when I saw it through the film festival, but the lack of emphasis on fundraising was a concern, especially when it's often the biggest barrier for women entering politics. Can you speak to that? And I know that there are some organizations that have emerged like Matriots and others um, who are seeking to support women across party lines just to get more women into office. Um, but... Uh, but I also know that there are a lot of people who write checks who, if a woman knocks on their door or calls them on the phone, will encourage them not to run because they don't think they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do think there's a lot of organizations that are um, supporting, you know, women running. Um, but then you have to almost adopt their platform. Um, you know, I've been approached about running for higher office. And when those conversations happened, a lot of it was, you raise this amount of money, then we'll back you on this amount of money, and then this pack will give you this amount of money. But to get that amount of money, then you have to sign a pledge that you believe and we'll follow this platform. And so again, you know, as we talked about earlier, are we always able to tell our our true, you know, run our true campaign, tell our true self story um, when we get into fundraising and you start to have um, money given, but it comes, you know, with platform um, promises. And I think that is something that luckily locally we didn't have to get into. Um, but as I've been approached about other offices, that definitely has been brought up. And again, so that sometimes I continue to think about when we're giving money, are we giving it directly to candidates or when we give it to some of these other organizations? What are some of maybe the unintended consequences that we're not um, thinking about? If you'd like to join our conversation with Granville trustee Bryn Bird, who is featured in the new documentary, Represent, which is by Hillary Batchelder, you can text your question to 330-541-5794 or tweet it at the City Club. We'll work it into this part of the program. Hillary and Bryn are both our guests here at the City Club Friday Forum. 
Here's a comment from a listener. This is a wonderful conversation. I'm looking to run for a city council seat in the next few years, and this information will help. So congrats. Uh, so you can check off inspiring somebody to run for <laughs> office uh, on if that was one of your goals for today. Um, another question, Hillary, for you, what was the biggest struggle in filming this movie? Um, I chuckle because the there are very, very parallel struggles of making a documentary and running for office. There's some and fundraising involved. I, I There is some <laughs> fundraising, and that was one of the biggest uh, challenges in making the film. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I, I, I don't want to continue down this metaphorical path too far, but, you know, the the way that the sort of funding industry works within documentary is, you have to film a certain amount and then you can present it and pitch it. There's a lot of public speaking actually that I was very nervous about and got, you know, traded tips with some of these other ladies as they were figuring out their stump speeches. I was figuring out my version of a stump speech for the film. Um, but essentially you, funding really comes in fits and starts and, but you know, campaigning doesn't wait for you. And so I, when something important was happening, I just knew that I had to pick up my camera and drive out and be there, um, sort of regardless of wherever we stood with, with fundraising. Um, so that's, that's challenging. And that honestly takes kind of an emotional toll over several years when you, you're looking for more like consistency and reliability. Um, so that was, that was challenging. It was helpful, though, I guess, that you limited yourself to Chicago, Detroit, and greater Columbus. Yeah. Originally, that was supposed to be a smaller uh, window, but then Bryn's story was just too too dang compelling. I had to I had to make the six-hour trip out. Um, and so, yeah, it really was... Go ahead, Bryn. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, but there was like a 4th of July where Hillary made it to all of our 4th of July parades in like one day. And also oh, just, again, was... the level of, like, professionalism of Hillary that she did try to keep our relationship, you know, documentarian and subject or whatever. And so she would pack her little lunch because she didn't have enough funding to, like, eat out every time. And so she would show up with, like, her cooler of lunch, staying at this, you know, random Airbnb. And we would be like, we can feed you dinner. And she was like, no, like, this is fine. I'm separate from you. And I, we just, my poor dad and my mom definitely... <laughs> They worried about Hillary all the time. They hated that she was driving around. But yeah, she made it one time to all three of our Fourth of July parades, and I and ran, you know, outside carrying a camera in the summer heat. So more power. To that was Hillary. a very long. That was a very long week. And I I do just want to say there's a happy ending to the story. We did eventually. We we found all of our funding, so we mm -hmm. were fully funded by the end. Um, but yeah, touch, touch and go there for a little while. And everyone, all, each of the, you know, Bryn, Maya and Julie were all constantly like, you guys, you, you can, you can crash on my couch. Like, yeah, please, please come eat this food. And I was like, this, this is not your responsibility to like feed the starving artist who showed up to make the film about your life. <laughs> Hillary, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far, but, um, when, when Bryn said that her parents were very worried about you, I was wondering if they would have been worried about you if you'd been a male documentarian. And was just mm, thinking no. about the particular right, right, and about the particular challenges that women face in the in the documentary industry, in the entertainment industry. Yeah, and it's true, it's real. I think it's a lot of kind of similar, um, like needing to prove yourself that extra step. So you know, I. I think that's absolutely true in, in terms of who came on board and who supported. I'm, this is my first feature film, so I didn't have a track record to stand on. I just had kind of, 
here's my proof of concept. Here's what we've been filming here. The stories and I can share some scenes or something, but I, I do think there's sort of an extra level um, that you have to go through to the extra level of hoops to jump through. Um, I, I also think that there is sort of a bias around stories about women. Um, and so we, we were very often kind of slotted into a niche, you know, this couldn't be, and it's true, like this is a film about women in politics in particular. Um, but because it's about women, we were like, oh, okay, so this is going to go on the women channel and only the women will watch it. And then, you know, it just gets slotted in a way that I don't think the all of the movies that are out there, all of the great movies that are out there about men running for office don't have to get slotted into the, oh, this is a man politics movie niche. Um, but one thing that I found uh, trying to use this this sort of weakness as a, as a strength, but... Um, as you know, as a young woman who was showing up with a camera and I didn't have for most of the film, we didn't have the funding for like a full sound crew. So I was doing the sound, you know, the sound myself. And, you know, I just had this little camera and was chasing around after Bryn, Maya and Julie. But I had a pretty low uh, or sort of minimal footprint as a filmmaker. Um, and I think people I was often underestimated in that sense. Um, I was asked a lot in Granville. Was I a, a Denison student? Um, and people sort of didn't look twice at me showing up to meetings and showing up mm -hmm. uh, to things. A little bit less true in Granville, where just small town, I think there was like some more level of like, who, who is that person? Who is that outsider who showed up? Um, but I would say, especially in places like Chicago and Detroit, kind of big cities, like, um, yeah, I was sort of underestimated because I was a young woman with a smaller set of camera gear. And that worked in my favor because people talked to me they let me into places that um, maybe wasn't always in their best interest to let me into. Um, and that's just, you know, unfortunately the reality, but it's the one that I've tried to use kind of to my advantage. Bran, a question for you. What advice would you give to women thinking about running for office? Yeah, I think the advice that I have is to really know the position you're considering. Um, I think there is a little bit of a tendency right now of saying, like, you should run for Congress um, as a first step. And I'm not saying, you know, and I and I know that there's also people that say, well, men run for Congress is their first step. And you're just saying this. But I'm not. Um, I do think that, um, you know, understanding the position you're really looking for and also not being afraid um, of starting out in a position um, at the local level, um, even really local um, and moving from there um, to understand how running for office works, um, and also, you know, finding that team that's going to be in your corner. Um, that was huge for me is um, having that group that sat around my kitchen table um, and would go over plans with me and helped me know, um, you know, simple things like uh, people who had already won office, simple things of where do you order signs from? You know, how much is a bumper sticker? Um, you know, do I go out and canvas on Sundays or Saturdays? Those simple questions were huge, and I asked a lot of people who had already won office. Um, uh, Stephanie Dodd, who's a state um, school board member, I mean, she sat and gave me like, Sunday nights did not work out good. Go for Saturdays. And I think about that too. That was one thing I did for a community is having small children. I had a lot of friends who wanted to help me and didn't know how, um, may not have had the financial resources. They didn't want a canvas. Um, and so I created a Google calendar, um, like a sign, you know, sign me up genius thing and um, to have my kids uh, watch. Um, when you run for a federal level, the um, 
they have changed the campaign finance that you can use um, money that you have raised for childcare, but at the state level in Ohio, they have not changed that. And so money that you raise for any state um, or local election in the state of Ohio cannot be used towards childcare. And so that was one expensive thing that I knew I was gonna face. And so I had a volunteer to watch my children sign up sheet. And um, I think I had 20 people sign up. And so when I would go out canvassing or I'd have meetings, I knew who'd have my kids covered um, because that was just a cost I couldn't take on personally. And that was a great way to have the community stand behind me and my kids loved it because um, then they got to go to all these new friends houses and play with dogs and um, and so I think about that but that's something that at the state you know I still think women um, should work towards is to have campaign finance reform um, in letting our campaign dollars that we raise go towards child care because that is a huge barrier um, for women who may not have been like me in a tiny town where they trusted everybody um, to watch their children. That sounds like a fairly straightforward legislative fix. I'm sure it's <laughs> more complicated than than I imagined, but yeah. <laughs> um, but that's that's very helpful. Um, gerrymandering has uh, w- you mentioned it earlier, Hillary, as the issue that was the sort of crossover issue in Illinois. It's an issue here in Ohio as well. An issue really everywhere in the country. Um, how the specific question though is how does it impact women running for office? Hmm. That's a good question. Strikes me. I mean, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I think Bryn could even speak to this as as well, just as someone who's con- considered kind of the higher levels of office, and, um, you know, I just across the board gerrymandering uh, benefits incumbents, and if the issue is that, uh, you know, they're not there aren't enough women in office currently, you're not going to get more women in office without replacing some incumbents. But if if those incumbents are able to draw a district that this that's most favorable to them, then we're going to have a really hard time meeting that parity mm-hmm. benchmark. Um, but yeah, but I think Bryn can speak to that personally, too, in Ohio. Mm-hmm. I live in a, you know, I mean, we all do, right? I live in a gerrymandered um, district as well, like from the state um, to federal. And so the idea of me running for higher office has always felt almost unattainable um, that, you know, I've I've reached my peak. Uh, because running for higher office in our community is going to be overcoming uh, a pretty a, a pretty uh, slanted one-sided uh, voting. And I do live in um, the Troy Balderson district, District 12, that, you know, was gerrymandered. But then Daniel Connor, you know, really did come close to winning right when I was running for office. So it, it was um, interesting to watch that happen. But I, I would agree with Hillary, you know, and I think that gerrymandering and um, Julie's story showed that it is a bipartisan partisan issue. And I think that both sides of the aisle agree that gerrymandering just creates extremes and and does uh, do away with some fair process. So I I do hope that we're at a a breaking point in that where we all kind of see that this is a bipartisan issue. It feels important to mention, too, that in the state of Ohio, uh, we're currently the whole nation is doing the census right now. The census will count every mm-hmm. will count every person so that the district lines can be redrawn after the census. So that's my non very subtle way of encouraging people to participate in the <laughs> census. Um, but also in Ohio, Bryn, we've got uh, redistricting reform measures that have been voted, in, you know, created into law, legislatively approved, and will go into effect with the new redistricting and reapportionment that happens after the census. So. Fingers crossed here's that that that, yes. that here's hoping, right? That that works in favor of democracy. Um, 
we are at the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. Uh, what conversation do you think we'll be having about women in politics 50 or 100 years from now, Bryn Bird? Well, hopefully by then we have a woman president. Um, my, I always say, I remember being um, an elementary school kid and they would point and say, you could be the first woman president. And even as a little kid, I thought, I have to wait until I'm an adult to have a woman president. Like, that's your goal. Um, and thought that was so terrible. And watching my six-year-old um, Emlyn, who is irate that there is not a woman uh, candidate for president right now. And she will be sitting in the back of the car and bringing it up like, mom, I just don't get, we need, she said, do you know how there's a lot of protests happening right now? Is there a protest right now for getting a woman as president? And I said, there isn't, bud, but we can go do it. Um, she's ready. And so I she's think, six? you know, hope, did you say she's yeah, six? She's six years old. That's great. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she is ready. And so I hope that, you know, by then we do have just more women in office um, and that, you know, we that there isn't this year of the woman. Um, I think Hillary talks about that and does a great job of saying that, that we're done with that, that the, it's not the year of the woman. And, you know, the poster over Hillary's um, shoulder, too, that, you know, why stop at 50 percent? Um, I look at Colorado that is, you know, Colorado is the first and isn't Nevada the second. Mm. Um, but Colorado is the first to adopt or to have over 50% um, women um, in state legislation. And I just look at that and you can kind of already start to see um, some of the changes they are making um, around policies for uh, maternity leave or paternity leave um, and around some of the family um, health care that I think is just so positive and shows that, you know, when we have representation um, and women bringing that, that viewpoint of family into, into legislation, um, the changes that are going to happen. So hopefully in 100 years we say, wow, look what happened when women got in office and started to, to hold majorities. We, we really made some headway. Hillary Batchelder, how do you see it? Or what do you hope to, to I, be talking about? I love this version of the future that Bryn is painting. So I <laughs> truly hope that that is where we are at. Um, I've spent a little bit, maybe too much time looking at the more depressing statistics that say at our current sort of like incremental rate of change, it will take a hundred years for us to like inch to parity. And so I, I, I think we'll, we'll be there, but I, I know that there need to be, there's, there's an intervention that needs to happen to get us there faster. Um, because the issue isn't that women win office at a lesser rate than men do. That's not, that is factually inaccurate. Women, women win at the same rate that men do. Um, it's an issue of how many women are running, but it's also a huge issue of what are the structural systemic barriers that are still in place for candidates and as well as for women once they're elected. Um, I mean, something that we we brought up in Bryn's story after she is in office is, um, <laughs> sorry, Bryn, you're not you, you're not making very much money as a, as a township trustee. And that makes that position so unappealing um, for anyone who needs a steady and you know reasonable income um and so Bryn points out like well this is why all the other folks who are holding this office are kind of old retired guys because they can do it as a hobby and so i think that there are very deliberate interventions that need to happen to make this position more appealing to attract more women to run um and to make it possible for them to be successful once they they do run and win um, so I, I hope that that's what I can reflect back and see has really changed um, in the next 50 years. 
Hilary Batchelder is the director, cinematographer, and editor of the film Represent. Bryn Bird is featured in that. She's a Granville Township trustee. Hilary Batchelder and Bryn Bird, thank you so much for joining us for the City Club Friday Forum today, and congratulations to you both. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We are going to continue to present our forums throughout this time, either on virtual platforms or here from the IdeaStream studios, and we encourage you to continue to uh, to to show up for them. On Friday, August 21st, we'll talk about with national thought leaders about modern indigenous representation inclusion and the stories we tell ourselves about American history. If you have other ideas about topics we should cover, please get in touch. We're at cityclub.org. I'm Dan Malthrop. Stay strong. Stay healthy. Please wash your hands, keep your distance, and wear a mask, and stay close in your hearts if you can't be close in person. Our forum is adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC, the Chautauqua Institution, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.